Good afternoon, I'm Jordan Lewis and here is your local news. Marshall Crossland and Jennifer Carson from Bartlett Regional Hospital came on to Capital Chat to discuss the opening of the new Aurora Behavioral Health Center. First, Carson spoke on services that will be in the center. Yeah, so uh, we just started seeing patients there last week uh, for our outpatient services. So I can talk to you a little bit about the services that will be in that building. Um, so we will have our outpatient psychiatric services as well as our applied behavioral analysis and then our brand new um, services that Marshall can probably talk to us a little bit about um, are the, our crisis services. They're not quite open yet, but the, they will be coming. Crossland then spoke on the Crisis Now model that Aurora will be using. Um, the way it kind of stands now is when someone's in crisis, typically they might call 911 or um, maybe just show up to the emergency department and kind of be served to a capacity. Um, sometimes it takes several hours to be able to be seen um, from the busyness of, of everyone within uh, the community versus the crisis now model is their approach is no wrong door. So if you have a crisis, whether you're brought there from second re first responders or from JPD, uh, you'll be able to come into the door and receive services right away and help you with that immediate crisis uh, right there in the moment. This model has begun to be used in other facilities around the country. Carson went into more detail on two of the crisis services that Aurora will be offering. Observation stabilization, which is 23 hours, 59 minutes. And then, it, so that gives somebody some time and space uh, to really try to work through their crisis versus being in the emergency department, where it's kind of get in, get out type model. Um, and so we're really hoping that someone will be able to um, receive some therapeutic interventions during that time to resolve their crisis. But if not, then we will also have some beds available for up to seven days, or if needed a little bit longer, we can get some authorizations for the individual to stay. You can listen to the full program on our website, KINYradio.com. The Coast Guard and Good Samaritan vessels responded to a vessel fire in Ock Bay, Alaska yesterday. The fire was extinguished and all 21 passengers, as well as two crew members, were safely offloaded at Statter Harbor. No injuries or pollution were reported. Watch standers at the Sector Juno Command Center received a Mayday call over VHF Channel 16 from 38 Vessel Tongass at 2.38 p.m., stating there was a fire aboard the vessel and they needed assistance. Watchstanders directed the launch of a 29-foot response boat small crew from Coast Guard Station Juno. Good Samaritan vessels Zephyr and Ranger overheard the Mayday call and also responded. The vessels arrived on scene within five minutes of the Mayday call and safely evacuated all passengers onto Zephyr and Ranger. The Coast Guard small boat crew took the two crew members aboard and transported them to Statter Harbor with Tongass in tow. Lieutenant Matt Naylor, the command duty officer at the Sector Juno Command Center, said this was a best-case scenario. The actions taken by the Tongass' crew, as well as the quick response from the Good Samaritan vessels and the Coast Guard's small boat crew, made this an expeditious response. On-scene conditions were 10-mile visibility, winds at 10 miles per hour, and one-foot seas. The cause of the incident is under investigation. And this week is designated by an executive proclamation issued by Governor Mike Dunleavy as Alaska Invasive Species Awareness Week and celebrates the work that is being done to keep Alaska wild and free of invasive species. 
The most recent invader to Alaska is the European green crab, which was first detected in Annette Islands Reserve by staff from Matlakatla Indian Community and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in July of last year. European green crab is known worldwide as a notorious marine invasive species because it can feed on mussels, oysters, clams, native crabs, and juvenile salmon. If you see an invasive species, you are advised to contact Alaska's Department of Fish and Game. Coming up next on News of the North, this year's 4th of July Grand Marshals are Ernestine Hayes, Pete Karen, Alan Young, and Wade Bryson. Alaska Attorney General Treg Taylor announced a $45,000 settlement with Simple Save Protection LLC, a Missouri company that marketed vehicle service contracts on behalf of other companies. And the Alaska Legislature's Ethics Committee is investigating two complaints against Representative David Eastman. Those stories next on News of the North. Welcome back to News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis. This year's 4th of July Grand Marshals are Ernestine Hayes, Pete Karen, Alan Young, and Wade Bryson. The parade theme of this year is Voices of Alaska. Board Chair Damon Geary explains a little about each Grand Marshal and why they were selected in accordance with the theme. We have, of course, Alan Young representing the younger folk. He leads the choir and he uh, does the music and the band. And amazing, amazing person. And I love to see him. Of course, he's coached two of my grandchildren. We have that generation. And then we have, of course, Wade coming up in the next middle. And he's he's known throughout Alaska. His, his voice coming behind Dennis Egan that nobody else could have even come close to filling those shoes like, like Wade has. And then also been on our assembly. And, of course, Pete Karen is the voice of Alaska. I can hear his voice still, I mean, because I listened to him for so many years. Hayes shares her thoughts on being nominated. I was nominated. I was. Uh, I received a message from UAS that I'd been nominated, and I called, and it was true. I have the honor of being Grand Marshal, and I'm very proud and humbled for the nomination. In Hayes' bio, it says she has used her voice in writing and in teaching to give attention to indigenous people of Alaska. She continues to prove the power of one voice and how profound a difference one can make. Alaska Attorney General Treg Taylor announced a $45,000 settlement with Simple Save Protection LLC, a Missouri company that marketed vehicle service contracts on behalf of other companies. The state had filed a lawsuit in December alleging that Simple Save sent hundreds, possibly thousands, of deceptive mailers to Alaskans that were designed to make the recipients believe that they were being contacted by their vehicle's manufacturer or dealer. Some Alaskans purchased vehicle service contracts from Simple Save because they believed they were buying from a company they had already had a relationship with. The settlement money will be distributed to Alaskans who service contracts sold by Simple Save. The 45000 sum is thousands of dollars more than Simple Save was paid to market products in Alaska. Attorney General Taylor said Alaska has robust laws about mail solicitations and deceptive marketing. Out-of-state marketers who use deceptive tactics need to learn that breaking Alaska's laws is not a profitable business plan. Consumers who purchase a vehicle services contract from Simple Save do not need to take any action. They will be contacted by the Attorney General's Office to arrange restitution payments. The Attorney General's Office discovered this deceptive marketing campaign because of an Alaskan who received one of these letters, recognized deceptive marketing practices, and filed a consumer complaint. And the Alaska Legislature's Ethics Committee is investigating two complaints against Representative David Eastman of Wasilla, according to members during a meeting on Monday. 
The complaints involve allegations that Eastman used state resources for a partisan political purpose and improperly solicited donations for a previously existing legal defense campaign during the legislative session. According to Joyce Anderson, chair of the House Subcommittee on Legislative Ethics, both of these complaints will be moved forward into an investigation. The Ethics Committee is notoriously secretive with both complaints and the results of investigations kept confidential under state law unless the recipient of the complaint waives that privilege. By text message, Eastman said, I have waived confidentiality protections for these and other complaints because too often political activists are able to file complaints behind closed doors with zero public accountability for their ongoing efforts to thwart the will of the public. Despite the waiver, staff for the Ethics Committee said they were unable to release copies of the complaints. Informed of that fact, Eastman said the statute is explicit that once confidentiality has been waived, the public has access to those documents. They can stonewall, but they do so in direct violation of the statute. It wouldn't be the first time they have delayed access. They also tried this when I was on the committee. Under the committee's typical procedure, the complaints will be investigated by attorneys previously hired under contract. At a future meeting, the committee will decide whether to dismiss the complaints or to compile findings of fact and possible punishment. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Jordan Lewis for News of the North.